our children's ministry, uh, Miss Jennifer had the kids make signs for me that they gave me today that say, thank you for being our pastor. And you're not supposed to have favorites. But on the back, this one says, hey, you are a sick pastor. (laughs) And I'm choosing to think sick is a positive in this sense. So, hey, glad that you're here. We're starting a brand new series. Uh, Here's the thing about life. Um, When life is busy and hectic and, and stressful, uh, it, can, it can cause us to begin to view everything through the lens of all of our stress and all of our problems and all of our struggles and all of our frustrations. When, when, when life is stressful, we tend to get anxious. Uh, we tend to worry about what's coming and what's next. We, some of us, uh, our personality is bent towards the worst-case scenario type of thinking. And so we're always thinking the worst thing that could possibly happen. If, if all of these terrible things all happen at the same time, then this awful thing is going to be the result. Not all of us are that way, but, but I think all of us have a, a tendency to get focused on what isn't right or what isn't the way we want it to be or what is frustrating or or disappointing in life. And so that becomes not only the filter through which we see things, but it becomes the focus of what we see. It's what we choose to see every day is here are all the things that are wrong. And and I understand to some degree because I consider myself to be a realist, uh, which is what pessimists call themselves when they don't want to be called pessimists, right? We call ourselves realists because we see the world as it is, uh, problems and warts and all. Um, I tend, I've shared this with you before, I tend to see what's broken or messed up or needs to be fixed or uh, what's still not working right and I just get focused on, well, we still have more to fix, well, there's still more problems, well, things are still broken and that becomes the only thing that I see. But sometimes uh, in life, we have to press pause on that sort of thinking, negative thinking, problem thinking, disappointment thinking, and remind ourselves what is actually good in our life. Can we push back from solving all the world's problems, solving all of our problems? Can we push back from that struggle and find something to think about that's actually redeeming, uh, something that's hopeful, something that's helpful, something that's positive, something that is good? It's fall break for most of the school systems in our area. So schools are pressing pause right now for this week. They are um, taking a break. Uh, Teachers have had enough for this so far in the semester. They need a mental break. They need emotional break. They need some distance so that they can come back in a week and make a run up till Christmas, right? So school systems are pressing pause, taking a little break right now. And I thought, you know, maybe we need to go with that as a church. Maybe we need to take a break. Maybe we need to press pause. Maybe the bookends of fall break for our schools need to be a time that we just take a deep breath because there's, there's lots to get distracted with in, in our world. Tensions are high. And, and let's be honest, no one knows when tensions aren't going to be high. 
uh, from here? Like when are, is the temperature going to come back down? N- nobody really knows that. Uh, our lives have all been affected uh, by what's happened the last 18 months. We still have people in our church family dealing with sick- sickness, dealing with death in their family. That is real. It has been heavy. It has been hard. And, and yet... In the heavy and the hard, in the struggle and the disappointments and the problems, there is, if we look for it, good. There is good. I'm not saying everything is good, but there is good even in the difficult parts of what we're experiencing. We're coming up on November and Thanksgiving. We're coming up on a time where... We, we tell ourselves that we should be oriented more towards what we're grateful for. And so I thought, well, maybe this will get us ready for that. Maybe we could prepare for gratitude by spending these two Sundays remembering what's really good in our life. Now, focusing on what's good doesn't mean we're ignoring what's bad. It's not either or, right? It's not... You, you have to uh, think positive thoughts and make all the bad things go away. That's not the option. It's not if we just think enough good things, then bad things won't happen. That's not the option. What I'm saying is, yes, there are some things that are really challenging and difficult. There are struggles that we all face right now. But can we train ourselves in the midst of even challenging circumstances To remember that there's good. In the middle of the challenging, there is good. Even in the specifics of whatever you're going through. And and all of us have unique experiences. We've all experienced some things collectively. And we've all been through some things the last two years collectively. That that we've all come through or we're in the middle of coming through. But, But then you have some specific circumstances in your life and in the midst of even those specific circumstances, I'm going to challenge you to think about what is good. That that maybe good and goodness is not just out there somewhere. And one day you're going to stumble into it. It's not something that's on the calendar down the road. One day, I hope something good happens to me. It's not this dream that's out there, but if we press pause, if we look around, then likely there's good that's right in front of you. Like good is not, if I can get out of this circumstance and get into that one, then it will be good. Or if I can get out of this relationship and into that relationship, then my life will be Good, if I can get out of this job and into that job, then somewhere out there in my future, I'm going to run into whatever is good. Some of us, we don't say it that way, but some of us live that way as if good is out there. We've just got to get to it. And and what I want to say to you these next two Sundays is good is right in front of you. You just have to see it. There is goodness There are good things. There are good gifts right in front of you. You just have to acknowledge those. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, Genesis chapter 1, the creation story. Very first story we get in the Bible. Uh, We're introduced to God. uh, In the beginning, uh, there was God. That's that's how the Bible begins. And then we get the story of creation. It's a fascinating story. It starts out in darkness and chaos and 
and uh, some translations call it the void. There was just this darkness. There's deep waters, that, the idea of chaos in the Old Testament. This is how the curtain opens, darkness and chaos and unknown. And then by the end of uh, chapter 1, we have a universe, right? We have systems and, and organisms and we have planets and stars and, and creatures and humans and plants and vegetables. We have all of this beauty that happens over the course of this one chapter. So it's just fascinating to read this particular story. But uh, among the many things that Genesis 1 teaches us is that in the midst of that process, God was enjoying himself. Like God was taking delight in everything that happened in Genesis chapter 1. The phrase that keeps coming back again and again in Genesis 1 is, the, is this phrase. And God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. It's as if the narrator... In the midst of all of the action, like light and darkness getting separated and sun and moon coming to be and stars and planets and vegetation. In the midst of all of that action, the narrator presses pause again and again in the story, pulls back the curtain and lets us see God and what is God doing? He's enjoying himself. Right? God saw it was good. Now, this is good. It's not just one time. It's over and over in the story. God said, this is good. He notices the good. And God doesn't say, you know, I got a lot of work to do. I got to create everything that's going to be in the universe. When I get done, I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to enjoy my life again once I get done with this big project. In the middle of the big project. At every stage of the big project. God is saying, this is good. This is good. And, and, and he knows all the bad that's going to come shortly thereafter. Right? He knows what's going to happen. He knows how we're going to mess everything up. He knows, he knows what evil's going to do in the world. He knows all of that is coming. And yet in the middle of the work, God says, wow, this is good. We get to the very end of chapter 1. In Genesis, and the narrator says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. Very good. Very good. He saw it. He acknowledged it. He notices it. For all that we learn from Genesis 1, we learn that we serve a God who notices what is good. Now, for us... Before we can say something's good, we have to see that it's good. We have to be a noticer of the good. But before we can say this is good, we have to see it. Right? We have to be looking for what is good. Instead of looking for what is wrong or what is broken or what is missing or what we're angry about, we have to look for what is good because in Genesis 1, God saw that it was good. What you and I have to do is we have to, we have to see what's good. Instead of continually, on an ongoing basis, seeing what is wrong. So these next two Sundays, I'm challenging us, let's look for what is good, and then let's say it's good. Let's look for it. Let's find it in our life. It's probably easier than we think it will be. Let's find it. Let's see it. And then let's say, this is good. Because here's what I found. The language we use shapes the focus that we ultimately are going to choose. How we speak about our life, 
how we speak about our circumstances, how we speak about our relationships, how we speak about our world shapes where we're going to look every day. And if you spend your whole life, if I spend my whole life talking about what is negative, you know what I'm going to see every day? I'm going to see negative. I'm going to see problems. I'm going to see challenges. If that's the only thing I talk about, then that's the only thing I'm going to notice. The language we choose, how we speak about life and relationships begins to narrow our focus. I I don't know uh, how you are, but I am capable of talking myself into a bad day before I ever even get to work. Like the conversation I have in my head or out loud with nobody else in the car, the conversation that I have with myself on the way to work, sometimes I've already chosen a bad day. I can talk myself into being mad at somebody before I ever see that somebody. Just by the words that I use in my head or I say with my mouth, this is the power of our language, the power of our thoughts, the power of our words, which is why I think this is so important in Genesis chapter 1 that God is speaking good. God saw that it was good. God said that it was good. So I want us to see good. I want us to say good over the next Two weeks, and if we're going to start with good, let's start with God. Let's start with the goodness that is God, because every good thing in your life comes from a good God. It emanates out of His goodness for you. This is James in the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 17. James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift comes from a good God. Everything that you look at in your life, or I look at in my life, and call good is a reflection of the fact that there's a good God in heaven giving good gifts to us. Every good gift. Nothing is good simply in and of itself, but everything that is good is a reflection of the good God who gave you your favorite meal as good as it is, is not merely a reflection of its own goodness. It's supposed to be a reminder that you have a really good God who put this on your plate. You have a really good God who allows you to have these moments that you enjoy, to eat something that you really love, the goodness of your favorite moments, whatever you love to do, your favorite vacations, Your favorite memories, they're not just a reflection of good in themselves. They're designed to remind you, you have a really good God who puts really good things in your life. It's one of the tragedies of failing to see the good. You know, realists like me, we think we're really smart because we see all of the problems. The problem with that is... Do we fail to recognize the goodness that God has put in our life, which is supposed to direct us to the fact that he is a good God? We live in this constantly negative, stressed, broken world where we fail to acknowledge that there is good in our life and we fail to direct the gratitude for that goodness to the God who gives it. He's given you good things. He's put good gifts 
in your life, the goodness of a great friendship, the goodness of a home that you live in, the goodness of the activities that you enjoy, the goodness of a sunset or a sunrise, the goodness of the mountains or the beach or wherever it is you like to do. This is a good gift from God given to you to direct your heart back to Him. The goodness of a really good cup of coffee, right? A delicious donut that many of you just ate, right? The goodness of that moment. It's designed not just to be good in and of itself, It's designed to remind you that you have a really good God who gives you really good things. The the psalmist, uh, the book of Psalms in the middle, it's the biggest book of the Bible. And it's the worship book for the early Hebrews, the Israelites. It's the songs they sang. It's the prayers they prayed. It's prayers that many of their religious leaders wrote down in their personal prayer life and devotional life with God. And it all got collected into the Psalms and, and it has been used throughout history as a guide to worship and singing and praying. There is a phrase that appears over and over again in the Psalms and it's this phrase, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His love endures forever. And it doesn't appear just once or twice haphazardly here or there. It appears consistently throughout the songs and prayers in the book of Psalms. For example, Psalm 106.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 136.1, Psalm 105, 1 Chronicles 16.34. Over and over again in the songs and prayers of God's people, they said, We should thank God because he's good. He's good. And he's been good to us. And we need to say it again and again and again. And the reason maybe they said it again and again and again is because they knew their tendency was to complain. If you read the Old Testament, if you read about the Exodus and the life of Moses and the people that he lived, if you read about the people of God, you know that there was this tendency to go back to complaining. This tendency to go back to criticizing. And so the psalmist said, we got to remind ourselves to be grateful because God is good. And and, and not only is he good in his character, like in his nature, that's what they meant. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His character is good. His nature is good. We could argue that all of the attributes of God flow out of his goodness. Why is he a loving God? Well, because that's what a good God would be. Why does he forgive us? Because that's what a good God would do. He would forgive us. Why is he kind? Because he's a good God, and a good God shows kindness. We could make the argument that all of those other positive attributes that we love about God, they flow out of this infinite well of goodness. But he's not only good in his nature, he's good in what he does. Psalm 119.68 says, you are good, talking to God, you are good, and what you do is good. We worship you because you are good, your, your character and your attributes, but we also acknowledge that what you do is good. Your acts are good. What you display is good. What you do in our lives 
is good. That's not discounting that life is hard. That's not discounting that we struggle sometimes. All of that is still true, but in his nature, he is good. And if we care to see it all around us, we will see evidence that he is good and he does good, right? God is good and God does good. God acts for the good in our lives. Hard things are still hard, right? Struggles are still struggles. But God, in the midst of those, is acting in a way that's good. And once we kind of train our eye towards that, we begin to see it more and more. It begins to show up more and more because God isn't skimpy in his goodness. God's not rationing his goodness. Here's another verse from the Psalm, Psalm 31, 19. How abundant are the good things that you've stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. How abundant are the good things that you've stored up and then you give out to your people. It's not one or two. It's not, I'm going to give you one now, but I want to give you too much. And so a year from now, I'll give you something else that's a little bit good. Like God's not rationing out his goodness. The psalmist says, like, how abundant. I'm overwhelmed at your goodness. Maybe it would help if you just start writing some down, right? Or even before we leave the service. On a piece of paper, on the notes in your app, just start making a list. Just orient your mind toward the goodness of God, and you'll find what the psalmist is saying right here. Once you start making a list, the list starts getting really long. Now, once you're honest, you kind of set aside your own criticism of life, your own critique of everything that's happening, and you begin to look with fresh eyes at what God really has done in your life, you'll begin to find that God is doing good things in your life. I don't know if parents use this phrase anymore, but when I was a kid, my parents would sometimes tell me that somebody was up to no good. Like, did anybody else's parents use that phrase? They're up to no good. Yeah, that, that friend, that guy you went home with, he's up to no good. You need to be careful hanging out with him. Sometimes they would tell me that I was up to no good. I know you find that hard to believe. But sometimes they would say, hey, you're up to no good. Right? What they meant, you're, you're getting in trouble. You're doing the wrong things. The psalmist says, anytime you think of God, you know what God's doing? God's not up to no good. God's up to doing good in our lives. He's up to doing abundant good in our life. If you'll see it, if you'll press pause, if you'll slow down, okay? if, if you'll take a breath from all the things that aren't as you want them to be, and you will just see the good, you will find his good is abundant in your life. David said it this way in Psalm 34. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Like just try it for a little bit. Like just try a little bit. Just, just for a few minutes, think about the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because if you'll try it, you'll realize it's true. You're trying to get your kids to eat what's on their plate. What do you say? Just taste it. You're trying to them try a new vegetable. Or maybe it's a dessert. You know they're going to like it and they won't eat it. And so you say, just try it. Just taste it. You do the airplane thing and make silly noises. Like whatever. If you'll just try it, I promise you, you're going to like it. Just taste it. I mean, that's kind of what David's saying here. I we're so focused on what's wrong and broken. It needs to be fixed. Would you just... Try 
seeing the goodness of God in your life. Would you just taste and see? Just a little bit. Just taste and see. Because if you will taste, you will find there is an abundance of God's goodness in your life. Some spouses, I won't mention any names, but some spouses, they don't ever order dessert because, quote, I just want a taste of yours. And a taste of yours quickly becomes almost the whole thing, right? I don't want a milkshake. I just want a taste of yours. No, you order the creme brulee. I just want a taste of yours. I just want a taste. Now, we know what taste turn into. I think that's what David's saying. Would you taste? Would you just take a little bit? Would you just think? Just press pause. On all of the things you're angry about right now, just press pause. If you just taste the goodness of God, you would begin to see the abundance of what he's doing in your life, of what he's given to you. No, all of your circumstances aren't the way you you want them to be. Yes, you still have questions for God you wish he'd answer. There's some things about evil or pain in your life or, or tragedy that you've experienced that you don't understand, and I probably can't explain and make sense to you. There's still that whole thing out there. But if you would taste, if you would look at, if you would consider the goodness of God, you would see how vast that is in your life too. You would see it. You would taste it. It would become a part of you. Interesting thing about this this moment when David says, taste and see. Uh, It's a moment where David is fearing for his life. If we read, taste and see the Lord is good, and we, we might think, Um, Well, everything must have been going great in David's life at that time. No, everything was falling apart in David's life. He's not king yet. Saul is still king, and Saul wants to kill him. And so he's chasing David all through the wilderness, trying to capture him so that he can kill him, so he won't be a, a threat to Saul's throne. David has had to run into enemy territory, and so now he's hiding out under another king who would kill David, uh, it's kind of a strange story, but David is pretended to be insane because he had been brought before this king, and he's, this was his idea, if I pretend to be crazy, maybe he won't kill me. Sure enough, it works, and the king lets him go. This is the situation he's in, running from one king that wants to kill him, living under another king that could kill him. And in the midst of all of that, David writes, taste and see, taste and see, the Lord is good. Circumstances aren't, but God is. Everything's not perfect, but there's a lot of good things in my life. Taste and see, the Lord is good. Right? Pressing pause doesn't take us out of our circumstances, doesn't remove the hard parts but it reorients our focus in our circumstances so that we're not only looking at the challenges, that we're not only looking at what we're fearful of or what we're angry about or what is worrying us. It reorients what we're focusing on. And I don't know the specific of your circumstances. We all have individual circumstances. I'm not denying the pain of your circumstances. I am saying there is a good God that loves you And he has put goodness into your life. And so we're going to worship today 
by tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord. Not just in, in the list that we want to make, but literally tasting and seeing that God has been good to us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hey, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathers with his disciples in an upper room. It's the night that he's going to be betrayed. Circumstances are not good. And they celebrate the Passover, which is a reflection on the exodus from Egypt and God freeing all of the Hebrew children out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And, and then at the very end, Jesus adds a little twist. And he says to the disciples, we're not going to just celebrate what happened in the past to our ancestors. There is something that is happening right now that you need to taste and see. And he broke the bread and said, this is my body. It's broken for you. He passed the cup and said, this is my blood. It's going to be poured out for you. And then... Jesus said, keep doing this, keep doing this, keep tasting and seeing the goodness of God to you in the person of Jesus. Like this taste and see that we're about to celebrate is not just a reflection on something that happened in the past. Yes, it reflects on historically that Jesus died and rose again. He was physically crucified and physically rose from the dead, but it, it also celebrates what he's doing right now in your life, that you have been made new in Christ. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been brought from death into life. The old has passed away. The new has started. Taste and see that God is good to you. That in Jesus, he has offered you not only forgiveness of your sins, but eternal life in Christ. Taste and see that God is good. In the midst of whatever circumstances you may be facing, whatever struggles you may be dealing with, God loved you enough to demonstrate that love through Jesus, who lived and died and rose again. Taste and see. He is good. On your chair, there's a, a little cup, and the top in just a moment, you'll peel back, and there's a piece of bread that you will take, and then the foil top, if you pull that back, it'll open up the cup that you will take in just a moment. Here's what I want you to do. The musicians are going to come back in just a minute, and they're going to lead us in a song. But I want you to spend a moment looking for what is good. Whether you write it down or just in your mind as you pray to God, thank Him for the goodness of God, the abundant goodness that is in your life. And then when you're ready, take the bread and take the cup. Taste and see that God is good. Let's pray. God, thank you for bringing us to this moment, for pulling us out of our life and world and busyness and hecticness and giving us a moment to pause a moment to reorient our thinking, our focus, our minds, our hearts, and be reminded that, that you are a good God. And we should thank you for your love endures forever. And not only are you a good God, but you have done good things for us. 
Yes, we have struggles. Yes, we each have our own set of problems and anxieties and worries, but right in front of us, you have put good things. Not someday, not when life makes a perfect turn for us. But right, right now, right in front of us, there are good things. Make us aware of those today. Help us to see them so that we can thank you for them. And above all, the fact that in Jesus, you have brought us into your family, made us your sons and daughters. Help us today as we celebrate the Lord's Supper to taste and see the ultimate goodness of God and the sacrifice of His Son for the forgiveness of our sins. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.